0: Hey everybody, Basement Sports Podcast number 34, and I'm pulling a solo tonight, except we do have an interview, but no more, we don't have any other regulars uh, to the podcast. They're all tied up with other stuff, but I am very, very excited to have Alex Stump from DK Pittsburgh Sports, the Pirate Insider, joining us tonight. Alex, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, I appreciate you coming on. We'll talk a little bit a uh, little bit Pirates here while the baseball playoffs are going on and I've 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 been able to watch some of it, but you, we'd always like to have the Pirates in the playoffs, but I think from the beginning of the year, even in spring training before COVID, that odds were that wasn't really going to happen. And and now with this abbreviated season uh pirates uh you know ended up with the worst record in baseball but we try to look on the bright side of things here so after this season the pirates with only 19 wins in this abbreviated season what were some of the positives that you saw come out of this abbreviated year
1: well i think the biggest one is the is the kid who's going to be playing third base for the next six or so years at pnc park brian hayes was better than advertised like there was a lot riding on him in general and he came through and he he just crushed the ball and he provided great defense showed that he can create runs on the base paths. this kid is kind of the whole package and you know towards the end of the year i flat out asked like hey you know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be putting a lot of faith on you like you're going to be kind of a face of the franchise and starting you know in 2021 he's like you know I'm, I'm on board with that that just Gives me motive, more motivation to become better.
0: Yeah, so
1: he, we the Pirates have a good good guy there at third base. They've got yeah. a real cornerstone.
0: Yeah. yeah and
1: I, if you're looking for more positives, I think the starting pitching in general finished the year very strong. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they were bit by injuries throughout most of the year. So I don't know how much you can count like, oh man, well, Stephen brought Chad Cole, weren't able to go full starts at the beginning. Derek mm-hmm. Holland was starting. There were a lot of circumstances that this wasn't what the rotation could be until the very end of the year. And those last two and a half or so weeks, they were just flat out great. Right. So encouraging signs there. But yeah, there is a whole lot more negatives than there were positives with this team.
0: So kind of like straddling that line of negatives and positives, there was a lot expected out of Josh Bell and Brian Reynolds going into this year. And to say the least, they were disappointing. Um, now, it seemed to me, you know, Josh Bell kind of improved somewhat a little as the year was going on. But boy, you know, Brian Reynolds, when you look and he ends up with a, you know, with a 189 batting average of the season, like what, what went wrong with those two guys?
1: I'll be honest. I, I was flat out shocked that Reynolds just never kicked it in the high gear. I mean, here was a guy who, it hit pretty much his entire his entire rookie season outside of like the very, very end. And even then, he was better than what we saw mm-hmm. over the course of these 60 games. So, it, Josh, there were a lot of things about this season that are different. You weren't able to access video in-game. Uh, there was the long layoff. And the long layoff was not only just you didn't see live pitching for a long time, but guys couldn't go to the gym mm-hmm. if, if they went to a public gym you couldn't you know go out in public you could not There were like a lot of little factors and that it, it affected everyone this isn't you know just something that only affected the Pirates but it impacts every player differently someone like Josh Bell who just basically never got into a groove Brian Reynolds never really got into a groove the the reason why for a lot of these hitters all year was was timing they just couldn't time up fastballs and breaking balls you know at the right time and yeah, there's. I mean, that's kind of a, a cop-out, you know, too simple of an answer, but it, it is the best answer just to explain what happened with this team. They just never got their timing offensively.
0: Would you, would you say Jacob Stallings was kind of a bright spot? In, oh, yeah. In, in, in not only, I mean, we, we kind of knew going into the season he's, he was a good defensive catcher. He's a good uh, pitch, pitch caller. Uh, I thought I, – I believe he's one of the best pitch framers in the game. Uh, as far as, you know, getting that call. And I wasn't, I mean, he nearly hit 250 this year. Um, but Going forward, can you see him as the Pirates everyday catcher?
1: I, I don't know how far going forward because he is 30 or 31. I don't know mm-hmm. how old, old he is exactly. So right. it's, he's not exactly a spring chicken, right? But yeah, here's someone who for a couple of years, I think can take that, Role and I think that these are going to be a couple transformative years with the pitching staff, with guys like Mitch Keller, with guys like Cody Bolton coming up, coming up uh, JT Brubaker, Cody Ponce, and then you got you know this second wave of kids with the Tanaj Thomases, with the with uh, Quinn Priester, the, all the draft picks that they had, that Brendan Malone. There, there are some good pitchers coming through the system, mm-hmm. and it's good to have someone like Jacob Stallings behind yep. the plate sometime like pitchers love throwing to this guy. I cannot stress this enough. Like even if this guy was, you know, a 200 hitter, what he brings defensively and what he brings to game prep and, you know, playing psychologists with pitchers, like that's good enough. That's good enough. The fact that he was a fairly decent hitter was just an added bonus.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Um, let's turn to pitching a little bit with this team. Um, you know, when you're looking at the starters, um, you know, Steven Brault, you know, ended up with a 338 ERA. Um you, you know, he 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 threw he, he had some nice starts from, from what, you know, games that I saw. But I want to start with the disappointments. I was just really disappointed with Trevor Williams. I yeah. Just it just seemed like he never he never got into that groove that he has in the past. And, you know, you talked a little bit about Josh Bell and the interruption and, you know, and, 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 you know, these guys who just couldn't go to the gym, et cetera, but the layoff also had to play hell with the pitching staff.
1: It did. And I'm not going to, you know, compare like how much it impacted each individual pitcher, but Trevor was at an advantage that he and pitching coach Oscar Marine were both based in Arizona and they would meet up, you know, during, that. i mean they would still follow protocols anything and everything but it, it's not like everyone else who was around the country they were within an hour of each other so he had a lot of extra instruction in there he he tried making some mechanical changes especially in the second half of the season and they just results wise they didn't take like he said that he felt good mechanically after a lot of those starts but i i don't know how much stock you can put into that whenever you give up five runs over five innings, right? He's like, yeah, I felt really great. It's like, yeah, okay. Well, (laughs) maybe the first time, maybe the first time it was like, Hey, I felt good. And then you, you build off of that, but there was never really that build off start. And, you know, we saw him abandon the windup and just go straight from the stretch and nothing really seemed to click. And I think they're at the point with Trevor Williams where there's concern going forward with what he could bring to a team, because here's a guy who, Two years ago, 2018, had a really solid season. But since then, the ball's become super juiced. And part of that success that he had in 2018 was he was getting flyouts. Now they're turning into home runs. How much of that is the juice ball? How much of that is Trevor Williams? And how much does it matter, you know, that it's either one of them? Because if they're resulting in home runs, I mean, can you stick with this guy? Whether if it's Trevor's fault or whether it's the juice ball's fault, they're still home runs.
0: Right. Mitch Keller, um... Pitched some really really good innings, you know. He was so uh, he was he showed to me more of what was advertised, you know. And and some of his performance. Tell me a little bit like what what you were seeing with him when he was going through that that hitless stretch when he was just you know he he seemed to have really really good command in my eyes. But you you got more of a baseball eye than I do. What were you seeing out of out of Mitch Keller there toward the end of the season when he seemed to be putting things together.
1: The big thing I saw was the breaking ball and how much that slider and curveball were just really playing well off of the fastball mm-hmm. and how they were just they just couldn't make contact with it. And the yep. fastball it really set that up because this was the first year where he started throwing up in the zone. This is something that the previous regime in the minor leagues he just never really did. He was a guy who lived in the bottom half. This year, it's kind of like, hey, you know, you have a whole other half of the strike zone you could use here. And the way a high fastball leaves his hand is pretty similar to how a curveball leaves his hand. So it's going to lead to batters swinging out of their shoes a couple times. I think we kind of saw what Mitch Keller can bring to this team in 2021 and and going forward.
0: All right. Let's go to the bullpen. (laughs) We have to. (laughs) (laughs) What do the pirate, I mean, let's face it. If the bullpen was half decent, this team could probably be would have been looking at maybe, you know, 26, 27, 28 wins, you know, and and maybe more. We saw just some complete meltdowns of this bullpen who stays and and who comes up, who can they go get like really? I mean, this seems to be like a a rebuilding project uh, for this bullpen because there was just some even, you know, toward late in the season they were losing leads and they couldn't hold leads. So, you know, what were the, what were the, um, uh, who, who shined, who earned the right to really stay and maybe be a part of this bullpen long-term and what do they need to get to get this bullpen back to what it used to be?
1: I think the bullpen is going to be the most influx part of this team because Keone Kella is not going to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Rodriguez, who, eventually stepped into that closer role and was actually really darn good this season. Like all things considered, mm-hmm. he might've actually been too good because now he's going to be what I imagine to be a really good trade chip. Yeah. Like here's someone that, you know, offer him up to a team like the Padres or someone that needs extra bullpen help. Be like, Hey, you know, here's three years of control over good reliever. But as you, as you look through the whole team, like pleasant surprises, like throw someone like Sam Howard, into that mix right. and, and jeff hartley jeff hartley who really did well even did better than his stats would indicate i feel like because he he stranded so many inherited runners like that that was a lot of runs that he left you know on the off the table there right there right um even someone like chris stratton is like middle relief but outside of like those three guys i really don't know who for sure is going to be a big doing for like Kyle Crick will be healthy okay well what's his status after two bad years Michael Feliz will be healthy what's his status Clay Holmes like will Richard Rodriguez get traded this is a transformative area of the team where I think if Ben Charrington wants to bring in or if he finds the right deal to bring in more young talent it will be coming from the bullpen at some point and I don't think this club is really in a position where they can add a whole lot into the bullpen right now. This is a team that's going to start rebuilding, whether they want to admit it or not. They have to be in that rebuild phase.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And whenever you're doing that, you can't really invest a whole lot in bullpen arms.
0: Right, right. Um, going back to the starters real quick, I did want to mention this. Chris Archer, what happens?
1: I, I think they just buy him out because... Okay. million is a lot. They have other starting pitching options, and I don't really see anyone being intrigued enough to trade.
0: But, boy, we gave up a lot to get him.
1: Yeah. You can (laughs) see some of them playing tonight.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unreal. Anyway, um, so you you talked about rebuilding, and this team definitely needs to rebuild. So looking here during the offseason, who are your trade chips? Like who do you, who do you put out there and try to get this team younger, get them re get them rebuilt and get them moving. I mean, I we will talk a little bit about the economics of baseball later, because that's a larger subject, but for this team right now and, and with the uh, veterans that they have on the team, who are the trade chips here during the off season that could be floated out there on the market?
1: I, I've mentioned Richard Rodriguez right. who he has three years in control as a had a really good season, you know that could bring back someone. the The one guy who I I feel the most confident that they will be moving would be Adam Frazier, mm-hmm. just because they have other options in the middle infield. He has two years of control remaining. Like he is what he is. This right. season didn't really change anything of his marketability. He's an average hitter. He's a good defensive second baseman who is versatile and can play the outfield at a pinch. Here's what you get. That could still bring back something, but otherwise you got to look at the basically anyone who has two years of team control remaining. Like, I don't know how much Trevor Williams could bring back. Probably not a lot. Joe Musgrove showed something towards the end of the season that maybe you want to hang on to the guy, see if he can put it all together in 2021, but two years in control, you have to at least entertain offers. Josh Bell is another guy in that mix. I don't think that they'll make, you know, the, the big shocker move and trade someone like Brian Reynolds or, or Kevin Newman, but, there's there are people here. This could be a busy off season, is okay. basically what I'm jiving <laughs> at. And on the flip side, it could be a fairly quiet one where they only make one or two trades like they did last off season. But I think no, this needs to be a more aggressive off season for Ben Sherriton.
0: What do they do with Polanco? They're hanging on to him.
1: I mean they're <laughs> here's the skinny on Polanco. He has one year left on his contract. Right. It's for far more than they could possibly trade him for and far more than they could, you know, comfortably just release him right now. So they're going to bring him back in 2021. If he stinks, they'll probably cut him at some point before the end of the year or at the end of the year, they'll let him go. If he's good, they'll find a take and they find a taker to trade him, they'll trade him. I, i'd be shocked if gregory polanco is a pirate in 2022 but he's definitely coming back in 2021
0: the 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 fantasy scenario for the pirates is he has a healthy off season, he's got a mm-hmm. full-time you know maybe has an opportunity to play in a in a in a winter league somewhere and and and, and comes back and has a really good year and then he's a valuable commodity at the trade deadline You know, and you can get something for him. You can get somebody with some years of control because maybe another team is driving toward the playoffs and they could use a Gregory Polanco to finish it off, but they're not interested in signing him long-term. So that's, that's the high end scenario that the Pirates would be looking for.
1: And honestly, if Gregory Polanco does coming in the next year and he does hit like 2018 Gregory Polanco. Mm Mm-hmm. He's an attractive trade ship at that point because a he's not going to call, cost a whole lot, you know, as a prospect just because right you know, of everything that's gone through in the past. But if you want to keep him, he has club options for the next two years. Yeah. So it's it's a case of you can have this guy for two months or three years. Yeah. You're completely your choice. Okay. That has value.
0: <laughs> well, um, is are there any? I didn't know if you've looked this far ahead or not. But is there anybody who you're looking in, in baseball who's going to be a uh, a free agent? I know the Pirates aren't going to go out and make a big splash um, free agent signing. But is there anybody out there that's going to be a free agent that do you think the Pirates could sign and would be a, a valuable piece to the rebuild going forward?
1: I think the most valuable free agents that they will sign was like what we saw on Wednesday, whenever they signed uh, the international right-hander, Chen. Right. Like they, they are in line to sign one of the biggest Dominican projects or projects prospects Mm -hmm. in uh, January in Chilin Polanco. I think those are the type of free agents that they are going to get more from. I mean, as as far as like major league talents go, I don't have like a name circle, but I think it's going to be similar to what we've seen the last, year or so like a couple minor league free agents maybe someone who could a couple guys compete for bullpen spots maybe the backup catcher job depending on what the status of luke mailey is right stuff like that i i don't think this is going to be a very big year of adding to them unless they trade a lot of veterans and they just need you know guys to fill in a year
0: right right so okay let's look at the draft since the pirates have the number one pick in the draft do they take rocker
1: i think it's rocker okay and i i just talked to someone who is very intimate with vanderbilt sports he says rocker is the best but lighter is the other guy i mean because they have the two top pitching prospects in this draft and they say lighter is kind of an unknown right now but if he really has a good junior year or sophomore year my mistake yeah um he might you know pass rocker at some point but it's got to be one of those two guys right now i'd say it's rocker this is the big arm this is the type of pitcher that this franchise really needs and if you if you're gonna finish last in baseball here is the one saving grace that you have you get you get kamar rocker
0: yep is he is he like the type of prospect coming out like garrett cole was is he like that or even even more is could he possibly be even uh thought to be better coming out than even like a Garrett Cole
1: i I think he's like if Garrett Cole is a well let's put it like this if Steven Strasberg is a 10 yeah and Garrett Cole is like a like a nine point five we'll yeah. just say yeah as far as like draft prospects rocker is like a nine point four nine point three like not quite but still yep just barely not garrett cole status like this is a kid who is this isn't a light draft and you know he's you know the number one by default <laughs> right, right where he would fall like to like five or six in a good year no this is a legitimate first overall draft pick who would finish you know first or second in basically any draft in the last 20 years
0: the pirates um, by some reports i saw really have to do some work to to rebuild their uh, their farm system and and get some more talent infused into the farm system. Now, there's a lot of interesting questions. What's going to happen next year with the farm system in baseball after after COVID? How mm-hmm. this is all going to shake out. But um, as far as, as putting some talent back in that farm system, and we, you know, rocker, lighter, you know, we're going to go after a pitcher in the first round. Where do the Pirates need to be looking in the draft uh, as far as position players or anywhere else to get into their farm system and start building that up?
1: Uh, System or the team believes firmly in, you know, get the best player on the board. And I mean, they're not really in a situation where it's like, man, if we only had a catcher. (laughs) That being said, they could really use a catcher because (laughs) it, it is completely barren in the farm system outside yeah. of actually not even outside of because you can't even consider jacob Stallings a prospect he's 30 years old i mean come on he's got a couple he's got you know a couple years of being a good major leaguer right and that's, that's basically it they really have nothing in that regard but wow. if you want to look at it they've got a lot of middle infield prospects
0: mm-hmm. who
1: could move to a corner if necessary or even the outfield. they've got some intriguing outfield prospects we saw one who I think will be in the mix in 2021, and Jared Oliver, who got his call up in the last week of the season. Yep. They just need more high end talent. That that's the main thing. Like, there's a lot of people in here where it's like, yeah, this guy could be fine. This guy could be, you know, bullpen piece or something. They need the high end stuff. And Jarrington, to his credit, like he hasn't made a ton of moves, but the moves that he has brought in
0: mm-hmm.
1: have been bigger moves. Yeah. You know, getting. Malone and uh, Pagero, Those are two top 10 prospects. Nick Gonzalez is a top 100 borderline top 50 across baseball. Here's a, there are good people coming into the system mm-hmm. right now. They need to continue that streak going forward.
0: So I like Derek Shelton. I do. I, I, I like him. Mm-hmm. I, I do have to say I was questioning some of his moves early in the season, but I think he kind of saw the writing on the wall. And he was just being a realist in a lot of ways. And I think he took this opportunity to kind of see what he had this season. This was almost like, I I, I hate to say this, but this was almost like a 60-game <clears throat> spring training. Uh, it was almost treated that way. Um, and with the economics of baseball, let's face it, the, the Pirates are never going to be big-time spenders. Um, there's really, and, and look, we can have, pittsburgers you know bitch and moan about ownership till the cows come home the way that it's structured there's really not a lot of incentive to spend all your money so you're only profiting a penny in this in this market um the the pirates are a small market club they're limited but here's my question there are other small market clubs that do pretty well the milwaukee brewers have recently, if you look track record to track record, have had success. They've been there. They've had opportunities. Um, do you have an opinion on what some of these other small market teams have been able to do to, to improve? But also, um, is, is Charrington, in his past, his, his track record, the right man for the job, to be able to get the Pirates back into the playoffs.
1: I, I think so. And I would, oh my goodness, I cannot remember the name of the book that I wrote that not wrote, that I read by Alex Speer. Uh, I believe it's called homegrown. It's about the Boston Red Sox. And a lot of it has to do with Ben Charrington's or it, it's about the 2018 Red Sox, but they take it further about how that farm system was able to be built because that team was half could, Half you know made up of those prospects that mm-hmm. they brought up, and the other half was acquired pretty much through trades mm-hmm. that you know they gave up those high level prospects for. Whenever Ch- Arrington left Boston, he left Dave Dombrowski, by far the best farm system in baseball. Mm-hmm. What does Dave Dombrowski do but trade it all? I mean that, that's what just <laughs> that's just what Dave Dombrowski does. You can't leave him alone with prospects for five minutes, but. <laughs> That's I think that's the big thing that you have to take away from the Charrington years in Boston. Like he has built this big farm system before, and yeah, he did some of it in ways that won't weren't going to happen in Pittsburgh. Like he signed uh, Mankata for sixty three million, which cost another sixty three million in, pro- in, in in penalties. He's not going to spend one hundred twenty six million dollars on a player, right. you know, right. in, in Pittsburgh. That's just not going to happen. But a lot of that was done through the draft. A lot of that was done through international signings. For you know, just keeping them under the limit, you know, stuff that the Pirates are going to be doing, you know, regardless, anyway. They have the eye for talent. It's about player development. It's about acquiring and identifying other talent. I, I, I do think he's the right man for the job. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do genuinely believe that because I, I look at the few moves that he has made so far, they've been good moves. It, it's now time I I believe at least for him to be more aggressive though. Mm -hmm. At some point, like, instead of looking for that A-plus deal, you have to start taking a couple Bs. Like, just, okay, this is the best I can get for Adam Frazier. I guess I'm going to have to go with that because I need to put someone else at second base. You know, I I know what I'm going to get here. He's not going to be here whenever we're good. I have to maximize right now. So Mm. going back way, way to the beginning point about Derek Shelton and maybe this being like a spring training 3.0. Yeah. They found a couple guys, I feel like, this year. Like, they saw uh, Philip Evans play well in a small role. Uh, the relievers that I brought up yeah. were all in new roles, and they did well. Like, uh, Colin Moran showed that he can play a little bit of first base. Uh, Jacob Stallings had a really good year. There are encouraging signs going forward mm-hmm. from this group internally it's going to be about bringing in more external talent. And that's what the small market teams, the teams that have rebuilt like the White Sox and Padres, what they have done exceptionally well. That's how the Pirates get back into the playoffs. If they follow that type of model.
0: Yeah. Um, so we're we're already looking forward to next season. And, you know, you hate to say that as a Pirate fan, because you I, I got to admit, Like I just shake my head sometimes going into the season saying, you know, I want to have hope. It seems like there's always more hope in football than there is in baseball. Like baseball, you kind of like the writings on the wall with what's going to happen. Um, with, with the moves that you think, you know, and Charrington's the right man for the job, the moves that you think they'll probably make, uh, going into next year. And of course we don't know what next year is going to look like. Um, do the pirates you know get a little bit more attention out there going into the season you know or or because i here, here's here's the reason I bring up this question i I'm not going to give the name of the sports outlet, but they did a review of all the n l central teams, and they left the pirates out and i i and they got called out for it but of course then they they never said anything and it's just well it is what it is you know so the 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 pirates are almost becoming like the cleveland browns of major league baseball like in some some i i worry as a fan that some people fans from other you know from other cities think that way what do you think going into next year that when people, baseball fans across the country, look at the Pirates, are they like, well, again, they're going to be the laughing stock, or are they going to be able to look at the moves and say, hey, you know what, they're doing what they got to do, and they're probably going to put a better team on the field?
1: I mean, <laughs> there's nowhere to go, nowhere to go but up after <laughs> finishing dead right. last, right? In in that regard, but no, I I think a lot's going to depend on this year. Right, and I I truly believe that you know guys like Josh Bell, Brian Reynolds, you know, over a full year would would perform better than they did this year. Right. I I, the short season definitely played a role in that in my mind. So they're either going to be better, and they're either going to be in the system or on the team, or they're going to have more prospects in the farm system. Mm -hmm. So. I, I don't see how the pirates go backwards from here okay. it, to be painfully blunt. This year was kind of rock bottom in, yeah. in my mindset. Like last year, it was the free fall year this year. You can't do worse than last. This is, you know, <laughs> the the rock bottom, but the good news is rock bottom is a damn good foundation to build on. Right. So I, I feel like we'll see some of that building or, or some of that build up. And it's gonna take years. I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Like I'm. I'm eyeballing like this team being really competitive again in starting around like 2023, whenever they have Rocker and mm-hmm. they still have Reynolds and Keller and Hayes is in his prime-ish right there. Like that's kind of where it's like, all right, this is whenever this team is for real, hopefully. Hey, but does... it, it's gonna still take years.
0: Right. I, I right. can't
1: stress that enough. That is literally <laughs> years from now. <laughs>
0: Does the DH stay?
1: I hope not, but probably. (laughs) Not a fan. Not a fan. Let Stephen Broke bat.
0: Okay. Okay. So you and Greg Brown get along.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Greg and I see eye to eye there, but I'm willing to at least admit that it's a losing battle. Right. it, it, It might be hitters again or pitchers hitting again in 2021, but whenever that new CBA comes up, I'd be surprised if... And National League DH isn't part of it in 2022.
0: So tell me, what was it like covering the team this year? Serious, I mean, from this aspect and, you know, the shortened season. Um, I have to admit, uh, I kind of had some fun with it on a, couple of, on a couple of areas. When the Pirates got no hit, I threw a poll up on Twitter asking, is this the only time the Pirates are going to get no hit this year? Because <laughs> I just, Yeah. that night, and I will tell you, I could show proof, and everybody on Twitter knows this. In the second inning of that game, I posted a tweet that said the Pirates could be no hit tonight.
1: I I don't have it as, like, physical proof, but there were two Pittsburgh reporters in in Chicago that day, and I turned to the other one after the second inning, being like, he's going to flirt with a no-hitter. Yeah. And after the fourth inning, I'm like, he's going to just throw a no-hitter. His, <laughs> like,
0: his stuff was just incredible that night.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was that was Giolito's day, and I, yeah. I don't buy the people who say, oh, you know, the Pirates put out a triple A lineup, that's why they got no hit. It's like mm-hmm. I don't care. You go up against a rookie ball team, and you're Clayton Kershaw, and you throw a no hitter. That's still damn impressive. Those are professional ball players.
0: That's right. That's right. So you know, like it, one
1: CNI single, one what whatever. I mean, yeah, there's too much random
0: variance. Well, the other weird part of the season for me was was um, <laughs> at the end of the year. Even on uh, talk radio, there was a magic number for the Pirates, and the magic number was finishing last, so we could get the first pick of the draft. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, uh, hey, oh,
1: hey, I needed a story that day. Whenever they clinched the first overall <laughs> pick, so
0: <laughs> well, tell me. So, well, I mean this this year had to be surreal. So what were the, what were the positives? What were the negatives? What, what do you take away from, uh, from covering the team in this, in this strange, strange shortened year?
1: I, I hope a lot of this stuff isn't back next year. Uh, we did all our interviews through zoom calls. Yeah. I mean, un- unless you got, you know, someone out to or whatever, and you can like do a phone call in one-on-one or whatever, but almost everything was done through zoom. Right. Um, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's so, it's so tough to get stuff. It's hard to read a room. It's hard to, it, because a lot of the cool thing about being in a clubhouse, besides the fact that you're, you know, around all these major league baseball players is you can go one-on-one with someone and just, you know, talk for a right. couple minutes, maybe not even baseball, just, you know, get a feel for what's going on in the room. Right. And we didn't have that this year and it made it a whole lot more difficult to cover and since we're all getting the same Zoom call, Zoom calls, it was hard to come up with new angles. Why should people come to me and read what I have to wrote versus, you know, everyone else? If, if it would be very easy for the four or five beat reporters there to write the same story four or five times, but that's not fair to anyone. I mean, that's you want new insights. That's how this works. Right. So right, there are a lot of challenges that the parts media relations stuff. I. I make sure every time I bring this up to give them all the credit in the world, because they did as good a job as they could have done this year. In my opinion, they were dealt a really bad hand and they did what they could with everything. Um, Especially, you know, those few times I was on calls with other teams and how I I won't name which teams, you know, they were, but they were not accommodating at all. And whenever you go back to the parks, it's like, Oh, this is so well run. Thank you. Thank you for actually (laughs) you know, knowing that we have jobs to do. Right. But I I'm I'm not going to miss a lot about covering baseball in 2020. Like I, I, I love baseball. I love covering in general, but man, this year is a, was a pretty rotten challenge.
0: So as we wrap things up here, Alex, um, with the, with the major league baseball playoffs going on, who do you like, who do you like to take it all?
1: Uh, I, I think the Dodgers are going to be the team that, hoists it at the end of the year i came into this round rooting for the athletics and marlins and as we started recording i saw that the athletics chad pinder had gone deep to it up but there's still a long well, road to go hey, I, for I, hey
0: well ali uh the a's just took a 9-7 lead so Boom. <laughs> Boom.
1: i like that i like yeah, that finish it off a, the
0: a's the Anyone a's are... but
1: houston i'm in a very anybody but houston <laughs> rooting mode right now because I... the cheaters end up getting that piece of metal it, it, as rob manford refers to it at the end of this horrible that would be the most 2020 way for <laughs> 2020 to end
0: well you know what i if if uh when when we have you on again i'll make sure i bang a garbage can behind the yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're doing it so right right now actually the A's are up on the on the Astros 9 to 7 in the bottom of the 8th and the Braves the Braves beat the Marlins uh, to take a 2 games to none Oof. lead in uh in that series and then later on for the Marlins too. later on tonight we've got the uh the Padres and the Dodgers in game 2 and the Rays and the Yankees tied at a game apiece um Alex, where can everybody find you uh, on social? Where can they find you?
1: Uh, I'm just on the Twitter. I'm, I try to avoid Instagram and that stuff, but it's uh, <laughs> at Alex, the letter J Stumpf. And be sure to read everything that comes on BK Pittsburgh sports and not just Pirate stuff. I mean, Dale Wally, Dave Molinari, we got a hall of famer on staff. Come
0: on. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Hey, this was a pleasure. And I, I got to, you know, I got to tell you, like, like what you said about trying to, find stories and things like that in regards to uh to a season like this as it goes along i gotta admit you know it's it's kind of hard to uh it's kind of hard to to talk about the pirates after a season like this and to talk and and to discuss topics but look i you know i'm still a kid I, i still i love baseball you know i i i remember going to three river stadium as a kid and and then talking to my uncles about going to forbes field and and watching clemente play and i i still think pittsburgh is a baseball town i do i i think it's you know but the thing with pittsburgh and we were actually having we we talked to bill Stahl last night uh former pick quarterback pittsburgh if you win they will come okay people will Mm -hmm. come if, if you win now i will say this about the pirates they have, to me, the most beautiful ballpark in baseball. Uh, PNC Park, I tell people, because I work work, uh, with people from all over the country, and I tell them, if you're a baseball fan, you got to come out to PNC Park and watch a ball game, because to me, it's, and I've been, to look, I've been to Wrigley Field. I've been to, you know, all these other ballparks, and I'm sorry, I don't think they can hold a candle to PNC Park, and maybe I'm a little biased, but, um, I really, really enjoyed having you come on tonight and talk a little bit of Pirates baseball with us. Love to have you come back on the podcast again sometime.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, before Alex jumps off, just want to remind you, check out basement sports podcast on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on iHeartRadio. Also check us out on Twitter. And you can also email us if you have any ideas any ideas for guests basement sports podcast at gmail.com that's basement sports podcast at gmail.com we'll check you out next time thanks everybody